Hello, I'm Erin Marcus, founder and CEO of Conquer Your Business, and I want to welcome you to Ready Yet? If all you needed was a step-by-step plan of what to do, you could buy a book on how to succeed and you would be all set. But here's the rub. You'll never do what it takes until you become the person it takes to do it. The Ready Yet podcast is dedicated to those who are ready to become the person who succeeds, ready to become the person who steps into more, and ready to become the best version of themselves. In the I'm Ready interview series, join me for inspiring conversations with people who figured out who they needed to be in order to achieve their dreams and were brave enough to be that person. Hello, hello, and welcome to this episode of the Ready Yet podcast, where, as you know, I've been talking to people and hearing their amazing, amazing, amazing stories of how they got where they are, because something I always say is you will never do what it takes until you become the person it takes to do it. Today, I'm very excited about our guest because I've been intrigued by what she does since I met her. Um, Diane Logsdon works with emergencies, like preparing for emergencies and all kinds of emergencies. Um, So I'm really excited to have her join me. Uh, We met in a networking group in Wisconsin and kept in contact. And I was excited when you reached out, when you saw that I was doing this podcast. I'm like, God, that would be a really cool conversation, not just because of what you do, which in its own teaching points is going to be so helpful for everybody, but also I don't really know how you got there. So I'm excited to hear about it also. So why don't you give folks a more official introduction though, before we get started? Sure thing. Thanks, Erin. So I support uh, business women who are ready to be resilient for the next disaster. I may be your master of disaster. I'm Diane Logston with the Logston Group. We're based in Rockford, Illinois. But with our our newfound world through COVID, we can work with anyone, anywhere. So I'm really sticking more to the continental U.S. because I understand the hazards of our area more than other areas necessarily, but certainly interested in having conversations with folks from anywhere. Cool. Awesome. So I got to ask, how how did that even start? Like, because resilience as a business coach is about, you know, getting up every morning and trying again when it all failed the day before, right? (laughs) But your version is a little bit different. So how did this even come about? Like, explain more about what disaster we all know. I mean, we've all had here in the Midwest. Let me back up a second. Here in the Midwest, while we do have tornadoes, Mm -hmm. I live close to Chicago and Lake Michigan has a tendency to eat the tornadoes. You know, the, the air pressure over the lake breaks up the air pockets and we really don't get them nearly as much as our surrounding areas. But aside from an occasional blizzard, which you know is coming and always seems to be followed by a ridiculously warm temperature, so you're only trapped for a couple days. But the truth of the matter is the rest of the country is much more used to hurricanes and earthquakes, things we kind of don't have to deal with. Volcanoes in Hawaii right now. Oh, God, right? Right, yeah. So this year, even those of us in the Midwest, with everything that's happened with COVID, has have really learned okay, let's face it, it can happen to anyone at any time. But yeah. you were into this way before that. Yeah, and, and you're right. We don't, and I say it all the time, and I knock on my head when I do it because it's that, you know, knock on wood thing. We don't have disasters here very often. Even our floods, Erin, because we do flood. We got a bunch of rivers in the area. 
we flood here, but even those floods, we're pretty accustomed to them. We know generally where the water goes. We bought out a lot of the homes and businesses yeah. that were in the floodplains. So now it's more green area. So they, there's less impact, you know, maybe some roads are closed. We have to go around, go a different way, you know, don't, don't drive through water, turn around, don't drown and, and have a little delay. Or well, and it's a very yeah. short-term problem. Exactly. Usually. Yeah. But so the 93 floods is actually what got me involved. Oh. So Lake Mississippi floods, the entire Mississippi from Minnesota all the way to the Gulf, everything flooded over a period of weeks that year. And it was just a horrific flood. I mean, it was truly like the 500 year flood. And so I sat here watching my Chicago news every day at 4.30 and, you know, cause I'd get home after work and watch the news and then, then I'd go work out and life was good and we were rocking. And I sat there every day and I thought to myself, gosh, there ought to be something I can do to help those poor people. And I didn't do it. So then in 94, my not my now husband and I took a driving trip down the Mississippi Valley. I call it our trip of fun. We drove down the Mississippi Valley. And then when we got to Southern Illinois, we visited every cemetery where he has family buried. <laughs> Do we rock, right? But so the, it was amazing that the devastation, even a year later, you know, one of the uh, one of the crossing points of the river where they had um the the uh, what's the boat shuttle that like the one that goes across yeah, the ferry the ferry thank you lost the word completely the ferry service still wasn't up but from that point the road went due east inland in Illinois and we took that road it was five miles until we got to the natural bluff and I'm not kidding it was like 30 feet up in the air it was the oddest thing the trees had been stripped of all the bark and all of the branches until you got 30 feet in the air and then it was like this burst like a flower petal burst mm -hmm. of dead branches at the top and it was so eerie because we were driving and thinking to ourselves we would be completely underwater right now right. Right. Like lake levels of water. And that water was rushing through and all these empty foundations. And we, when we got back, I decided that I wasn't going to be in that position again, where I sat home thinking I ought to be able to do something. So I volunteered okay. because that's a great way for somebody to get into a field that they don't know anything about. Right. So you find a place where you can volunteer. You spend time learning what that business is. A couple of years later, they're like, Diane, we need you to apply. We've got an open job. Boom. I took a job. So what did you do before? I was a computer analyst at a community mental health center. So uh, a small youth-based mental health center in town, but I was doing computer programming. I was doing all of their database. I had a data entry person. I did all of their reports. I did uh, um, accounts so receivable. Tech totally tech, totally yeah. tech. Yeah. And I was good at it, but I didn't really like it. Like I took the college classes because I wanted to, to get the tech degree because that was where everybody was going in the 80s yep. and 90s. And, and I, it was like, yes, my brain functions that way, but it doesn't fill me up. Right. So it was just like, well, it was, you were doing the work, but without the impact outcome that you were hoping for. Exactly. I didn't feel like I was having any impact actually. So you were cognizant of that. I mean, that's one of the things that I talk a lot about is a, what, a lot of people refer to, um, and I love the quote, as a purpose-driven payday. Exactly. Purpose-driven payday, not just for my clients, but also to have a bigger, you know, grow my business so I can have a bigger impact, not just on my clients, but in the causes that mean the most to me. Right, right. And that's that's the whole thing about that one year, right? From the 93 floods until 94 when we took our trip, I spent that entire year, I wasted 
that entire year that I could have been serving. I could have been helping. I could have been doing what actually does fire me up because I didn't listen to my own voice. I was telling myself, this is what I should be doing to serve the community, the broader community. And I I didn't take up the mantle. I didn't go do it. And I was It's interesting because, so you knew, you kind of got this divine download moment of inspiration, you know, however you want to, for, you know, the, the epiphany of, I can help this. And it's really interesting because I think there's many ways this happens for people. And for me, it took a long time for me. Like, I'm like, I know I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing in this world, but I don't know what that is. And you almost had the opposite. You're like, boom, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, but you didn't. But I'm not doing it. Right. Yeah. What changed? What was the, so you went on this trip. The trip actually being there and seeing the devastation because it's one thing to see it on your TV screen. And you got to remember back then TV screens were like 19 inches. We have three times more visual now on our TV screen than we did back then. But it's, it's amazing how when you're in that place and when you stop at the gas station and people are still talking about it. And I do not, I do not recommend that anyone ever do disaster tourism. As a matter of fact, it just pisses me off because that's someone's life and livelihood. And for anyone to go gawking at it is it's like being a voyeur at a, at a funeral, like just don't do it. But But, you just, you didn't go on that trip to see it. You you went on for a different, a different, you know, not so great reason, but Hey, (laughs) the river valleys are really pretty. And so it's a nice drive. It's always a nice drive. If you go down the Illinois river to get that direction as well, it's a beautiful drive. So, you know, part of it was that, that we wanted to see how bad it was, but then we were also so horrified by it that we wanted to get out of people's way and not be intruding in what they were still trying to do to recover. But so I'm working at this job, right? So then I'm still I'm still not quite where I need to be though, because I'm working at this job and I realized when I got rift in 2006, because I got laid off, they were like, we don't know what to do with you anymore. The, the grant program that we had you working under is going away and we don't have a job for you. And I was like, what? Because I'm, I'm a stellar employee, right? I live the mission. Like I am doing and improving and making things happen in this place. And it was like, um, now what do I do? And my biggest fear on the drive home that day was how do I tell my husband I'm not gonna have a paycheck in two well, weeks? Yeah. Right? And right. I think it's like, it's a horrifying place to be, to be like, okay, we were okay financially. Like we didn't actually need my paycheck to survive. So we were still okay, but it's still like, this is gonna change our lifestyle. But you're also, you know, what I always refer, you know, us good Midwesterners with our work ethic, yes. when regardless of why it happens and they can tell you every legitimate explanation of how it's not you, it's me, <laughs> right? but it still feels like this huge failure and this huge terrifying because we're, you know, we work since we were teenagers here. Mm-hmm. And then they they told me in, in my RIF meeting, they said, we're not going to fight unemployment. So you can go ahead and get on. And I was like, unemployment? Wait, wait, I don't take unemployment. <laughs> but I, I, you know, I did because they weren't going to fight it and they riffed me. But, but it was like, oh my gosh, I'm on unemployment. It was a psychological blow to be on unemployment. Well, and so one of the things that happened to you also happened to me, but not 
through being, you know, let go. But I was involved in these projects at my corporate job. And I had a great corporate job with people I loved working with. And um, I learned so much and did very well. But what one of the things I was watching happen is we would work on these projects and I was in the financial services world. So we'd be working on this project. So we were the middleman between a client, a customer and an insurance carrier manufacturer. And we'd be working on them for like a year or two years. And then someone on either side of that would change their mind and want to go in a different quote unquote, we're moving in a different direction and pull the plug on a project. And it wasn't that it affected me financially because it didn't, but it just always felt like I have no control over this situation. Somebody without my best interest, not my company, but other company, you know, somebody without my best interest can make a decision three levels away from what we're doing and poof, two years of work just goes away. Yeah. And that felt really unsettling to me. Yeah. Because we want to finish a project. We want to see it through, see it through as a big deal. Well, I want to be more in control of my own universe than that. Yeah. That too. Don't pull the rug out from under me as I'm going along. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm going to say no valid reason. Not because, and and that's not what I mean. It's like, and it's not because you did something wrong. Right. Right. And so my whole, you know, sense of fairness, you know, (laughs) wouldn't get all triggered. Right. So what made you decide, okay, so you, you end up deciding at that moment, I'm not going to go get hired again. (laughs) Well, no, actually it was amazing because I had been working and here's part of it too. Right. And I tell, like, I'm trying to quasi mentor a couple of young people right now. And I'm, I'm trying to get, get through to them. Um, you know, build your network in areas that you don't expect to need to build your network. I literally, even though I was working for this nonprofit and we had a mission to meet, I was doing projects specifically for county and municipal jurisdictions. So I was actually doing work for them through this organization. And it was not on the side, it was all known. It was in my reports to my supervisors, you know, here's how I'm working the program. But it was outside the bounds of what anybody else had ever done. And it wasn't something that my colleagues were doing. So, I mean, if they had to riff somebody, it was probably a good thing they riffed me because I had a a pretty wide network across the entire state. But I also had memberships with professional associations that were affiliated to, but not exactly what I did, right? So I had already been reaching out and, and like, being engaged in the entire community. Because in my world, I say all the time, and I've got colleagues who are like, oh, here she goes, she's saying it again. Emergency management is in everything and everything is emergency management. We all have emergencies. So when I was reaching out to all these people and working with them, it was to bring the mission of the organization to them and to help to make them more prepared. What I found was on my drive home, I started making phone calls to the people I had been working most closely with because I wanted them to know we have two weeks to wrap up because in two weeks, I'm not going to be employed here anymore. So I want to get as much done. Where do you want to focus and, and really make the effort as solid as like your projects getting yanked out from under you and just, nope, we're done. We're going a different direction. I didn't want to do that to these people. I wanted to give them some closure with it in that two weeks that I had. I I gave you 60 days notice, same type of thing. I worked at my job when I, now again, it was more under my control when I left, but I, 
it was between 60 and 90 days. And we did the same thing. It's like, what is Aaron working on? Who does Aaron support? Who, who is usually relying on her? And what can we do to make those people whole? Right. I love that. Make them whole. Yeah. Although whole is whole is kind of a misnomer. Well, there's there's a, a book that I uh, really subscribe to the concepts of. It's called Off Balance on Purpose, and it's all about we you know we try to find this life balance. It's kind of the same concept to make someone whole. Try to find this life balance, but everything is not balanced, right? My life is completely out of balance right now. My uncle's in the hospital. I'm the only person in this part of the country. I'm actually spending four or five days a week going to the family farm an hour away to get paperwork from my aunt who's the POA who's in Dallas or or do something else or in, and clean the place so that when he comes back the nursing staff who come with him are like not horrified the problem with the word balance is we all get this visual of a teeter-totter and we think right. 50 50 and that's just not accurate I I a lot of people like the word and I agree you know work-life harmony can yeah. I do what I need to do at the same time in its current you know, percentages. Yeah. It's never 50, 50. No. And it's never, it's never even two things. I mean, <laughs> just think about our, our life, right. Our personal life, our social life, which could include our family members, our business life, our service life and our faith life. That's four different things. And they're all right. different places. So now yourself, your physical life, if you want to health, right. Absolutely. Yeah. I hope you're enjoying this conversation about what can happen when you are ready to step into being the person you need to be for success. If you're looking for some inspiration, motivation, and some actual things you can do to help you become the person it takes, you are going to want to join an amazing group of entrepreneurs at the Ready to Conquer virtual event on May 6th through 8th. In just three days, we're going to dive deep into how to command your own plan so you can dictate your own outcome, how to work on your business and not stay stuck working in your business, and seriously build the business you dreamed of when you first decided to become an entrepreneur. Just go to conqueryourbusiness.com backslash ready to conquer and grab your ticket now. So how did you eventually come up with the concept of what you're doing now? Well, these people that I was calling to say, hey, I want to make sure that we close out as well as we can, started telling me immediately on the phone, on my way home that morning at 10 a.m. <laughs> because I literally locked up my office and walked out. I was like, I need to process this and I can't do that here. Right? I was like, are we through here? They said yes. And I turned around and I walked away. <laughs> tomorrow when I have myself back together. Yeah, I didn't even say that. I just walked away, locked my stuff up and went home. I don't know that they knew that I was coming back. <laughs> but I did. And I closed out because that's what Midwesterners do. Right. We so, well, that's what that's what most people do anyway. Um, but so on my drive home, I'm calling people and I'm talking to them and they're saying, well, you know what, Diane, I need this done. And Diane, I need that done. And Diane, we're putting out an RFP for, for this and we need a planning person to do this. And they weren't talking about hiring a person. They were talking about hiring a contractor. Mm. And I went, 
wow, there's a need in the community. So I'm like, well, I'm on unemployment for a while. Maybe I do some side gigs. Well, the side gigs turned into a state contract for a year to do the same thing that I had been doing under the grant for that organization. They gave it to the state professional association to manage instead. They called me, I was a member of the association. They said, Diane, we just got the grant. You've been working on this, right? Yep. Boom. Well, so what you basically did, and I'm going to guess unintentionally at the time, though you okay. have the knowledge to look at that and go, aha, mm-hmm. is you did for yourself interpersonally what you now do for companies on a different, you know, in, in a different topic. You, you were prepared mm-hmm. for, an, for an emergency, aka being let go. So that you were able to immediately step into your solution with virtually no downtime and just a little bit of holy buckets. I got to figure this out, you know, a little bit of headspace there and turn, you know, and, and it's almost like, well, now being, having gone through it personally on a personal level would better position you to help people go through it on a technical level. Yeah. And all of us right now, and I keep telling people, this is the perfect time to do continuity of operations planning. Every single business, even the smallest single person business should have some kind of a continuity plan. And if you have general liability insurance, your insurance agent asked you at some point, do you have a continuity of operations plan? Because it's a standard question for underwriting to look at. Because if you have a continuity of operations plan, then it's more likely that you're going to be able to manage any emergency that comes along in the first place. So right now we have the perfect opportunity to just look back at 2020 and say, what was I doing in January? What did I stop doing in March? How did I bring things back online in April, May, June? And that is the continuity spectrum. It's what do we do? What's essential about what we do? How do we turn that back on? What do we need to put in place to turn it back on? Do I need a physical space or do I just need the internet? Do I even need- And I think this was such a big, I think what you do is gonna look so different moving forward because the way somebody would have answered that question last December is not how they would answer it in 2020 December because back last year, we thought, we not only did we think, we knew we needed X, Y, Z and it turns out none of that was true. Yep. We, there are so many things that we thought we knew and there's, you know, all year long, people have been saying this is an unprecedented event that no one could have foreseen bull hockey <laughs> I've been planning for pandemic since 2000. I have, I have Cook County Department of Public Health pandemic plans on my computer from 2004. And here's the thing. If it was unheard of, we wouldn't have so many movies about it. Mm-hmm. Right? If it was something that was so beyond the capacity for anyone to think as possible, we wouldn't have so many movies about it. Right. I love that. I love that you said that. And I wasn't even thinking of that at all. But I, when I was teaching at Harper, I taught in the emergency management program. They have a, uh, an associate of applied science degree program at Harper College in Palatine, Illinois. Um, but so I taught there for a few years before I started teaching with Texas A&M. And when I would teach there, I would use Hollywood disaster movies because they're excellent teaching points. So if anybody wants to know how to talk to the media during a disaster, Volcano is great. 
Because Tommy Lee, they have to deal with the media through the entire movie. Like I use that in my public information class. Those movies are so dead on for how we might operate when something happens that you can get real lessons. Because people don't understand. I learned this some time ago. I forget where I was when it was pointed out to me, but it is so, so, so true Mm -hmm. that the folks with the imagination you, you have, you have a few different groups of people and the way people's brains work. And if you look at the folks with the imagination and their concepts become sci-fi movies way before they become reality, because those concepts move through society first as the crazy person with the good storyteller, Stephen King, you know, it, Star Wars is the one that always comes to mind. And so you get these folks out there who come up with these amazing ideas that no one's ever heard of. And they make these movies of things that AKA could never happen. Right. You know, so quote unquote could never happen. But what that does, it inspires the children. Yep. It inspires the next group of scientists Mm -hmm. because now these aren't storytellers that it inspires. All you have to do is like watch big bang theory, right? The stories inspire the scientists and they grow up with this inspiration to go make things happen. And I absolutely remember as a kid, probably not a young child because I'm too old for that, but somewhere in my teens and twenties, maybe even twenties, it was, you know, we live in Illinois where there's a toll on every highway And I still remember the quote from the commercial. Imagine paying your tolls without ever slowing down. I remember the commercial. And we all thought it was the craziest idea. How are they going to get my money? Right. (laughs) Imagine paying a toll without ever slowing down. That's asinine. That could never happen. Little did we know, like, it was already in the works. And so when you look at Hollywood... Mm-hmm. And then you follow the generation behind. And where I was going with this, because it was really interesting, was when Hollywood focuses on dystopian sci-fi, mm-hmm. if I'm saying that correctly, as opposed to advanced sci-fi, you are followed by a break in the advancement of technology. I believe that. I thought that was the most intriguing thing, one of the most intriguing things I've ever learned. I totally believe that. So I wonder, I wonder too, like what did all the, all of our vampire werewolf chronicles and our, our dead people things, what did, how much did that slow us down? Did you know, this is an aside, but this is so hysterical, but did you know that zoom now has a beta test for uh, makeup and mustaches? Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's under, it's under your video settings. Oh my gosh. It's totally Mrs. Jetson. Do you remember when she had that computer that came up? where she answered the phone and it was a video phone and she answered it and her makeup came on. She didn't have makeup on and her makeup came on. And I was like, oh, we're in the Jetson age. Finally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Where's my flying car? <laughs> I know. Right. I'm still, well, they have the self-driving car. I'm now waiting for it. You know, that's what total recall with the self-driving taxi, yeah. you know, the little guy, um, the robot driving taxi, but all right. To get back to mm-hmm. this realization that things are going to happen. I have, I'll, I'll give you some examples. So I've been doing my podcast this year and I, you know, 
talking with private clients and one of the things they're all aware of, I have a private client who owns three real, two real estate brokerage firms and a mortgage firm, and they instantly had to be able to work from home. Right. And talking to business owners who employ those mid-level business owners, the folks who employ 15 people, 20 people, mm-hmm. where there's so much more of an interpersonal connection. And then my, my sister-in-law is the director of HR for Winston Strong law firm, huge, huge law firm. So now you've got um, security on top of right. people working from home. Yeah. And all of the healthcare people too. I mean, even I have a girlfriend who's an energy healer and she's searching, you know, she's having a struggle trying to find um, platforms that will work for her that are HIPAA compliant. Right. Because the ones that are out there for the medical field are quite expensive. So a single solopreneur. Right. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. I, I so think- what do you recommend? Let's, you know, let's just talk about, you know, our audience, our entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, small business owners. Um, they don't have huge budgets. You know, the, their money goes back into growing the business. What are some things, you know, that you could just wrap up and give to people in a shiny bow um, for the couple? Like my big thing is I have my time machine back up, you know, that's... Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's about backups. Okay. So, so one thing, and these are like lessons learned from me, right? So I, I was doing a, uh, a four hour training session with the Will County public information officers group on site years ago. And I walked in the door with their, all of their presentation materials on my laptop. I went to boot up my laptop and got the blue screen of death. Yep. And my heart, my heart drive died right there. So they had another computer and I'm working off of CD PowerPoint, which doesn't have all of my slides in it. It has the, the, they're the handout slides, right? So, so I, I'm giving them CDs and I'm working from one of their handouts instead of working from my master files. So I, as a, as a speaker who travels and they all want, I send everything ahead of time. I bring my computer and I always have a thumb drive, right? Jump drive it, jump drive it, jump drive it. We didn't really have jumps back then, but what I also do, I no longer keep all of my files on my computer. I lost three hard drives that year. What were you doing? Not good. I, you know, I don't know. And I had, I had forensics done on two of them and they couldn't figure out what happened. It was not an attack. It was just something wrong with it those was, lives. It was the universe trying to teach you how to do your, run your company better, right? It was the universe going, listen, if you're going to do this for people, you've got to know what you're talking about. <laughs> can we, can we just go back to the beginning of the talk where I told you that I was a tech person doing computer programming at the start, right? Like, hello. And then I go into disaster. Right. The universe is going, what more do I have to do to line this up for you? Right. Come on, take a hint, take a hint. But so now what I do, instead of keeping files on my computer, for those of you who might see the video, I have, I have a very large, um, not jump drive, but an external hard drive that I actually unplug from my computer every night. Because if I get hacked, if I get a ransomware, I've unplugged my files. Oh, I'm sorry. You think you've got what files on my computer? You've got like eight eight pictures that I was using on a Facebook post or something else. Right. So they're not getting my actual data. So it's, it's serving me in a couple different ways to think about 
what have I already experienced and how can I improve? I have three different backups that I use. I use OneDrive, I use um, a Google Drive that automatically syncs my computers and I have Carbonite. And then I have my jump or my uh, external hard drive. And so I've got multiple layers, right? It's about layers of, and it's about learning from our experiences. So another thing that I would tell anyone who's listening it doesn't matter how large or how small you are, you can be impacted by something like the Sun Prairie gas explosion. You remember a couple of years ago, oh, Sun Prairie, yeah. Wisconsin had that gas explosion. That entire business area was shut down for two full weeks before they allowed anyone in. They determined it was safe enough to let them in to retrieve items, not to start working on cleanup, just but to just to retrieve the things that they needed to retrieve because people had left behind purses and coats and car keys and like that was run and that was scary right yeah so so you need to be prepared for that sudden evacuation and it doesn't matter if it's your apartment that you work out of or if it's your house that you work out of that the Marengo, Illinois had a gas explosion in a neighborhood a couple of years ago, the house exploded and the homes around it were impacted. So it doesn't matter whether it's a natural disaster, a man-made disaster, a technological disaster, something can still happen. So having a plan in place for what am I going to do if is a really good idea. Well, and I think what you're talking about is something that so many of us know in our back of our minds, we've got I hate to say it, but it's true. And I, I certainly do this myself. I have way too much confidence, even with COVID, even with everything that's happened, there's always the, it'll never happen to me. It's, you know, I have too much faith in Apple. I basically have too much faith in that company that because to me, and maybe it's an age thing, because to me, I didn't grow up with this technology the fact that I can go get a new phone like I did a few weeks, mm-hmm. sit and chat with somebody for half an hour, the phones were next to each other on the desks, they weren't even plugged into each other. And by the time I left, all the stuff from the old phone was on the new phone. It's such magic to me that I don't, I think it'll always be fine. Right. But that magic is also an open door for someone to come in and steal your data. Right. So again, your insurance guy is going to say, do you have a passcode on your phone? And do you have your, your Wi-Fi shut off unless you're at your house? Like there's, there's an app that um, I installed. I'm not using it well yet. It's called if this, then that, and the app will actually identify. So I have a light in my living room that will flash when it starts raining or snowing outside. Just so that I'm aware, because because if I'm in my office, right? Because my office right. is my home. It was before COVID, but if I'm in my office, I'm not necessarily aware that there's something going on. I know it gets a little darker out there, but I don't know that the weather has changed, and maybe I need to close the windows, or maybe I need to do something else. So it's it's just a little alert for me that something's happening. But that thing can also tell you, uh, or it can also uh, manage things on your phone, so that when you leave your house, just like if you have a smart home, like my house knows when I'm coming home and it turns the heat up. Well, and so here's one of the things that you're talking about that I never really thought of. I think about turning the Wi-Fi off on my phone when I leave my house so that I am saving my data plan type of, you know, I always think in terms of not trying to kill the data plan, but what you're talking about is even, you know, and I still remember when my dad got his first iPad, but didn't have a data package, he would drive around now, you know, because he had time on his hands and he figured out how to do it. He would drive around and he lives in a small town where people don't have as many, 
now we all have the passwords on our house. Right. Wi-Fi. Right. And he would be like, oh, I wanted to do something. So I drove down the block and I saw that my iPad came on. So I just pulled over and, you know, he didn't realize he was basically stealing Wi-Fi. You know, he's not right. doing this. He just knew that if he went to the dentist parking lot, he could get his iPad updated, right? But people now do that for not great reasons. And I think right. there's a lot of little tiny things and little tiny easy habits and little tiny cheap things that we are all not doing. Yeah, for safety and security, as well as for backing up, as well as for protecting. I mean, I don't know about you, but I have literally hundreds of client contacts in my cell phone. Mm-hmm. And a, a fire chief's cell phone number is not something that the, the village wants to get out to the general public. So, uh, you know, I use a uh, biometric, I use fingerprint and a passcode on my cell phone. So if I, if I want to, or actually when I turn it on, when it comes on and it's been off, I can't biometric into it. I have to use the passcode and then it'll let me use the biometrics. Right. But, but part of it was my insurance agent saying, okay, do you have this level of protection? Because my insurance company wanted me to have it. And then the insurance company triggering me to go farther into it because yeah, it's a little more inconvenient to have passcodes on everything and to, to not be able to just walk up and log in. You know, when my computer comes on, I have to put a passcode in every time, every single time. No, it's so true. I'm glad you said that because I am all sorts of pissed off right now at QuickBooks when I shouldn't be, because I now have to go through five, I don't know what happened between like last week and this week, they changed the way I have to log in and it's taking five steps instead of one for me to get into QuickBooks. But they're protecting you. Well, and what's interesting is my response is just annoyance, but (laughs) right, but because I can't instantly get this little tiny number. But if you look at our lives and how convenient everything is, like, I got the new phone is an 11. It has facial recognition. I thought I was going to hate it. Now I think my entire universe should be just whatever I want should absolutely happen. The second I look at it as far as I'm concerned. So we are so used to being instant gratification with whatever we want. And we forget what we are giving up for a three second delay. Or a couple of clicks instead of a single click. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It's amazing to me too, on the duo push apps that I'm, that I have, right. Anything that has a duo where it has to push a a code to my phone and then I have to enter the code. It's like, Oh, seriously. So I have to swipe three things on my phone and then enter four characters on my laptop. What, what is, but it is, it's all, it's all to protect ourselves from ourselves. Right. Because we're putting so much out there. And now with zoom, honestly, I just heard on the news on yesterday or Sunday might've been 60 minutes on Sunday. Um, they're talking about all of the facial recognition that's out there and how with all of us on Zoom and all of us doing recordings and all of us putting our face out, it's not going to be long before they're hacking with our own faces because our faces are so accessible on the internet. Absolutely. And, and I, I just said, like, you know, Zoom does makeup now. Well, how does it do makeup? Because it's looking at us as we're moving. And if you're putting the Zoom lipstick on, it's moving with you and it knows where your mouth is. And it's amazing what they're doing. But all of that is something that we need to, if we're managing client files, if we have private client information, we need to be considering what am I allowing access to? How am I allowing access moving forward based on the systems and the the ease of use that we're looking at? Awesome. Well, so, okay. So I love the fact that you shared so much with how you got to where you are 
because it's such a testament of when you listen to your intuition and you know you could be doing more and stepping into it and looking at what you're doing now, which is freaking amazing. So you're, thank you for sharing the personal side of your story and also kind of opening my eyes absolutely to, I, I, I need to be doing more my background in financial services, I was very used to in my corporate world, having 8 million layers of security. I, that's, we worked with people's information. And yet as an entrepreneur, I haven't carried that over to my own business. So if people want to get in touch with you, because I think regardless of what you're doing, we've all learned so quickly here, you can lose access to your livelihood in a moment. So if they want to talk to you more and get more tips and more inside information, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Uh, probably these days, because I'm pretty active with COVID response and with the vaccines coming out, we're doing a lot with that in my region. Uh, the best way to reach me is through email. And my email is pretty simple, but also not so simple. It seems to get, it seems to get auto-filled sometimes. So my, my business email is hello at logsden, which is my last name. .co. I'm not a .com and that's where it gets tricky. People, it'll auto fill to a .com or they'll hit that .com button and it, it won't go anywhere at that point. So I'm a .co or um, my website is logsden.co and my, uh, my um, Facebook business page is Logsden Consult. So anybody can hit me there as well. Um, I don't do as well with my social media as I should do. So if you're looking for some immediate feedback, I mean, you can you can message me through that. You can uh, post on that and I'll be happy to get back to you there. But um, if you're really looking for some information, the, the business is the way to go. Awesome. Well, and I imagine if you Google Logsdin emergency services or any kind of phrase that has anything to do with that, you'll... Much. I hope I pop up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so, so much for chatting me with, to, to chatting with me today. Um, great getting to know you more personally and also how crazy important this all is. So thank you so, so much for sharing. Thanks for having me, Erin. Thank you so much for joining me on the Ready Yet podcast. I get so motivated by the amazing accomplishments of the remarkable people I meet and I'm excited to be able to share some of their stories with you. You can find more episodes of Ready Yet at your favorite source for podcasts or at conqueryourbusiness.com. And if you've already decided that you are ready to become the person you need to be to achieve your big goals, feel free to reach out to find out how I can support you in your efforts. Or check out the Work With Aaron page on the Conquer Your Business website. I also invite you to share this podcast with anyone you know who loves to learn and be inspired. And if you're so inclined, I'd be absolutely grateful for any reviews you'd like to share as well. Thanks again for joining me. This has been Aaron Marcus, hopefully inspiring and helping you to go conquer your big dreams.